the old uh, photo just there when you get kind of hit down and that's the police part but okay all right Evan then got us a new microphone set up if you will turn your New Testaments to John John chapter 18 going to talk about in our next hour uh, some things in relation to authority and I I hope that I'm going to take us to the beginning of, of, of that discussion uh, of authority this morning so that's where I want us to focus our, our minds and uh, really establish in, at least for me and, and in my mind what uh, the the very foundation of that discussion is, but um, there's an exchange between Pilate and Jesus in uh, John 18 that I'd like for us to start out with and, and read. Let's begin in verse. Uh, let's begin in verse 28. And they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. So there's really uh, three statements or questions that that I'd like for us to focus on uh, this morning, uh, one being that Jesus came to bear witness to the truth, and the other is everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, you know, that's what Jesus is saying that there to Pilate, and then Pilate's question, what is truth, and that's where I think we can uh, begin uh, this morning, and if you look here, you know, Pilate could be just trying to, you know, figure out both sides, you know, he's, he, he's between the Jews and the and Jesus and trying to figure out, you know, what is truth. Um, but, you know, the other side, side of that is he could just simply be saying, you know, like, uh, what is truth? You know, like just simply, you know, Jesus is saying that he, he's coming to the world to bear witness to the truth and that those, uh, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice, you know. So uh, I think I think more that's what he's saying is just this idea of, of what is truth, all right? Um and we've probably all heard uh, some 
some comments around this idea of truth and people questioning uh, what is truth. And there's this idea out there of relative versus absolute truth, uh, you know. And uh, but we've probably all heard statements uh, similar to this, uh, being you know that's true for you, and this is true for me. You know, establishing that you know that there's differing truths, I guess, in life, uh, or this feels right to me, or true to me. Um, we all have, maybe, maybe a comment like this, like we all uh, have what is right for us, and we live it out. You know, so that's, again, this is kind of true for you, true for me. And then maybe we've heard, you know, you go to heaven your way, and I'll go mine. You know, so that there's, again, separating ideas of truth and then maybe you've heard a comment or uh, heard some discussion around a com this comment of there is no absolute truth you know um, and of course I guess the follow up question to that is is that absolutely true you know when someone makes a comment like that that there you know that there there is no uh, real and I think what people are getting at with this idea of there is no absolute truth is that um you know, it's flexible. It can be any way that we want it to be. Uh, but again, in and of that statement, they're making a statement of absolute truth uh, when they're telling you that there is no truth. All right. So, uh, and again, there seems to be, and you know, I've read some on the internet about, you know, kind of, you could say this, I don't know, I would think it just kind of the battle of the intellectuals uh, of relative versus absolute truth is, you know, which one. Uh, is true, you know, in, in the world uh, that, and of course, that is going to be trying to establish that this idea of everyone living out their own truth, you know, there is no standard really is what that's going to come back to. Um, and I thought about this discussion, uh, it was kind of short-lived, but this discussion between Kenzie and I on our last trip she brought up this fact, or this question, I guess you may say, and Evan said he would answer all the questions around this question after I got done. But, you know, uh, where was God before the beginning? What was it before? What was going on before creation? Has God just always been for millions and billions or whatever years or whatever? Like I say, Evan's going to answer that afterwards. But, uh, but, you know, I guess you come from there. At least in my mind, maybe, you know, I, I've never even really given that much thought because I'm like, well, there's no answer to that in my mind, so I'm not even entertaining that. But then you have creation, all right? Um, and I do think it's worth our time and effort, mental effort, you may say, or uh, is uh, did the God of the Bible really create the world that we see, everything around us? Uh, did he create uh, this earth, uh, or has this just always been? Uh, has it just over billions and millions, millions and billions of years? It's just been evolving and uh, clashing and bashing and spinning and rolling, and is this just all just you know? And this has just come to be as we know it now, or you know, there's really only two sides of that. It's 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 this idea of you know, the, the clashing and bashing, spinning and twirling and rolling, vault evolution to be what we have? Or is there some creator 
or intelligent design behind everything that we see. Um, and so if we say, if we look at that and we say, well, that uh, the God of the Bible created all this, then I think the consequence of that uh, would be that, you know, there is a creator. There's somebody, there's something behind everything around us. There's something behind it, all right? Uh, and then, again, this is just me me trying in my own mind logically go through, uh, you know, this argument or this, this thought process is that, well, if, if, if someone, if God could create this, uh, then he would be the one making the rules, would he not? Uh, he, would, he created the limits of nature uh, and man. Uh, he would be the one that we should look to for our direction, for where we're going. Um, and then if he created the beginning, is there not also an end uh, to what... Uh, to what he has created um, and then if he created the world around us that we see would he not have also created me uh, and you uh, and again I think if we if we say that there is a creator that everything that we see around us is, is from intelligent design that uh, we would have to say that you know he would be the source uh, of the rules that we are to live by while we're here. Uh, at least that's what, in, again, in my mind, if I'm trying to process through uh, these things, there's something, uh, there's someone uh, more powerful than myself. There's someone way smarter than myself that has put all these things into motion. Go to Hebrews 11. But ultimately... You know, uh, again, kind of, I was thinking back on that discussion Kenji and I had about, uh, you know, the beginning or before the beginning. You know, and I, I told her, I said, ultimately, I think these things are a matter of faith. You know, so if, if I, if I believe that uh, this world was created by intelligent design, that there is a creator, then uh, those things are a matter of faith. Then there's certainly consequences. Uh, of, of there being a creator. If you look at Hebrews 11 and verse 1, beginning in verse 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. All right. So think, think, look back at verse 1. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Uh, specifically, I think for our discussion today, you know, when you're thinking about creation, um, again, he's telling us, uh, the Hebrew writer is telling us that he's telling us what faith is. He's defining it for us. It's it's the substance of the things that we hope for, and the evidence of the things uh, that we uh, that we cannot see or of things not seen. All right. Well, you think uh, did any of us see creation take place? No. Uh, did any of us uh, see a lot of the things we believe? Did any of us see Jesus walking around? Uh, no. So he's telling us faith is, is what fills in that gap between uh, the things that we can't see or that we hadn't seen and the things that we hope for. Faith is what fills in that gap uh, there uh, in the in-between. Uh, 
Um, and he tells us there in verse 3, uh, by faith we understand the world is framed by the word of God. So that's by faith that we understand those things that took place that we didn't, none of us in here physically saw. None of us in here even know anyone that saw. You know, so faith is what uh, stands there and he's telling us that that's how we understand uh, that these things took place. So the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. All right. So again, God in his own ability um, made everything around us, make it everything that we see. He made uh, man, he made woman, uh, he made all the uh, animals, everything that creeps on the earth. And then, of course, he made the earth uh, itself as well. So, um, and then, you know, I, I think uh, there's there's a book uh, that I've read. I hadn't read it in quite some time, but, you know, it says, or the title of it is, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And so, you know, again, in thinking about this discussion of, you know, going back to creation, who... How do we? How did everything that we see come to be? Um, I think it is a, a worthy question of anybody: of Does it take more faith to believe in the God of the Bible, or does it take more faith to believe in the evolution, the clashing and bashing, and the billions and millions of years that it took all this to take place? All right, what takes more faith? Uh, and you know what I would say is I think it takes more faith to believe the other than it does to believe. That there is an intelligent creator behind everything uh, that we see, and that, you know you have to ask yourself what makes the most sense, what takes the least amount of you know the least amount of faith to believe, or what makes the most sense when I look at the things around me. Romans, Paul answers some of or talks about some of this in Romans one. Romans one and in verse twenty, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, who worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. You know, so Paul's telling us there that through creation, uh, God can be seen. You know, his invisible attributes are clearly seen through creation, uh, or since creation they've been seen. And he's saying uh, that they understand these things uh, even his eternal power and Godhead, you know, and he's saying uh, that, you know, so that they are without excuse. So essentially, if you can't come to that conclusion uh, that God uh, created this world and some things about God even from creation, uh, that essentially you're without excuse. He says in verse 25, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, worshiped the creature, uh, worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. You know, so uh, again, Paul is saying that through the things that we see around us, we can come to the conclusion that there is uh, an intelligent design, there or intelligent designer. There is a creator, uh, which would be uh, the God uh, of the Bible. And then, you know, I think we, you know, from that, uh, again, you, if there is a, a creator, well, then wouldn't he hold all authority? 
Wouldn't he be the one that, that uh, tells us how we ought to live, uh, how we ought to act, the things we ought to say, the things we ought to think? Uh, so if, if uh, again, if he exists and he, he created the, the wonderful uh, things around us, the, the mountains, the rivers, the oceans, all the animals that we see, uh, shouldn't he be the one in control? And so when I think about this topic of authority, it comes back to that. How do you view God? How do I, how do I think about him, his power over me, uh, his power uh, over this world, uh, and how should I respond with that knowledge? Since I do understand that he created me, he created everything around me, uh, then what should I do? So when I come, uh, again, if I had the faith, uh, to understand that that he created all this, uh, that um, you know that that that's what I believe in. Then when I come to the Bible that we all have in our laps, um, how do I view myself and how do I view him? How do I view my role in this and how do I view his role above me? Uh, so again, when think about when I think about authority, it's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit this morning about uh, the reverent person in Proverbs. You know, Mr. John talked about that and us living in reverence and in awe of him. Second piece of what Jesus says or the or what we'll talk about about what Jesus says there in this uh, conversation with Pilate, you know, is that Jesus uh, came into this world to bear witness of the truth, all right? Go to First John or John chapter one. Excuse me, John chapter one. John chapter one. We're going to look at several verses that kind of um, help us further understand or further look at what uh, this concept he brings up to Pilate that he came uh, to bear witness of the truth. John one and in verse eighteen, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. And so He's saying, you know, that the Son is declaring the Father. You know, that uh, again, He's He's um, representing Him, declaring Him. Chapter 3. And in verse 31. Chapter 3 and in verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, and God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. You know, he says in verse 33, he who, has, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. You know, and so he's talking about his testimony uh, of the Father, uh, and, and he, uh, again, him being uh, how his fa- him and his Father's relationship is, how they're in tandem, and what uh, the Son uh, does uh, on account for the Father. Chapter 12. John chapter 12. Beginning in verse 42. 
Nevertheless, even among the rulers many believed in him, but because of the Pharisees they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Again, you see this relationship between the Son and the Father. And he's saying there in verse 46, I've come as a light in the world. Whoever believes in me shall not abide in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to the world, uh, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. All right. Um, so again, you think about what he says in chapter 18. Um, you know that he came to bear witness of the truth, and he talks about uh, you know his his father. You know, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, and so. You know, he came to speak the truth. He came to bear witness of the Father, uh, and of course, the Father being truth. Uh, chapter fourteen, and in verse six, fourteen, and in verse six, verse that uh, we're mostly familiar with. But Jesus said to him, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." And of course, again, Jesus equating himself uh, with with truth that he is. Uh, truth. So everything that everything that he said was true. Everything that he did was true. He came to bear witness of the truth, and of course, he came to bear witness of the Father. So you know, you kind of see how these things tie into one another. Of uh, what he, what Jesus did while he was here, him bearing witness uh, of that truth that the, that the Father gave him. And so that's what uh, he's telling Pilate here that his mission uh, was of coming is to bear witness of that truth and then it you know the final point uh that we'll talk about today the final um or i guess the the third thing we'll look at of what he says to Pilate is everyone who's of the truth hears my voice all right and so this is kind of a different concept you know so he's uh you know we talked about what is truth so looking and uh, seeing uh, trying to answer that question that Pilate posed to jesus you know what is truth i think we find that that god is truth jesus uh, came to bear witness of the truth, which came to bear witness of the Father. Uh, and then he follows up, or he says there, that uh, those that are of the truth hear his voice. And so they listen to him. They pay attention to him. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, beginning in verse 22. John 10 and in verse 22. Now it was the feast of the dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. 
but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know, so he says there, uh, and in verse 26 and 27, of course, he has the, the Jews coming to him, you know, telling they're telling Jesus, you know, you're leaving us in doubt. You're not clearly saying, you know, you're not, you know, you're, um, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly. You know, so they're, they're saying that Jesus is not being plain in what he does. And, of course, Jesus is saying, well, essentially what he says, you're not of my sheep. Uh, you're not of those who are of the truth. Verse 26, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Uh, and you know, if I think about again, we're talking about this idea of authority. All right, so we come back to this, uh, and we we think, okay, well, uh, am I following him? Am I uh, one of his sheep? Uh, well, he says his sheep hear his voice, and what? And what do they do? They follow him. So he, you know, you would, you would equate uh, hearing with following or doing, doing as he says, doing. Uh, what he has given for us to do. Uh, those are those that are his. Those are those that hear uh, his truth or follow him or that are of the truth or those that, that do his will. They are his sheep. Uh, and he, you know, as, as we conclude, uh, you know, verse 28 and 29, I think, should bring us uh, great comfort that if we are his sheep, if we are those who follow him and hear him, uh, he's promising us that you know he's going to give he's going to give us eternal life. Verse twenty eight, uh, they shall never perish. You know so, and then he says, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my Father's hand, uh, because he says in verse twenty nine, my Father has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So he's given us that promise that if we follow him. If we hear him, uh, if we uh, obey him, that nothing's going to take us away from the Father. Nothing's going to, uh, as he says here, snatch them out of uh, his hand. That we, that he's going to stay with us to the end. He's going to be with us to the end. Uh, so, to me, again, that, that's some great comfort. I think that we have that if we are going to abide in him, if we are going to be his, that nothing's going to take us away. He's going to be with us all the way to the end. That's all I've got this morning. But I think, as, again, as we uh, think about this topic of authority, God's authority over us, uh, I think that we, you know, it's important, at least in my mind, to go back to the beginning of that, understand that He is the Creator. Uh, I'm not. Uh, and so, you know, again, I think that bears on how we, uh, when we come to our, our Bibles and how we, uh, strive to serve him and obey him uh, it puts it back into perspective for me of how much greater he is than, than myself how much more powerful he is than myself uh, and again how should I respond uh, to him so uh, we'll follow up in the next you know in the next hour there'll be time for you know more discussion around around this topic but if there's anyone uh, here today that has a need of, of the saints, we'd ask you to come forward while we stand and sing. Have you been to Jesus for the family?